Welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we take an integrative approach combining psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. And I'm Nico Yutanis, co-producer of this podcast. Today's episode is on anxiety around the reopening of our city and state. Depending on where you live in the world, certain areas are slowly starting to reopen after the stay-at-home advisory that went on for the past few months. It is occurring in phases, so gradually things will be able to reopen, but we still will have to wear masks and practice social distancing. And this is met with a lot of anxiety due to the uncertainty of things. Well, to quote John Hurst, the president of the Retailers Association here in Massachusetts, he says, quote, I think there's a lot of pent up demand and restlessness. This is what he told the Boston Herald on Sunday, as sourced via the Boston Herald article in yesterday Sunday's online paper. So, Nico, we are about to potentially enter phase three which includes the opening of casino gaming floors, gyms, movie theaters, museums, and gatherings with moderate capacity. And we don't have a set date yet as it's contingent on how step two of phase two is going. And of course, in lieu of any large gatherings. Yeah, I think on the subject of the businesses in phase three, I think the movie industry was one of the industries that was hit the hardest. With the developing streaming powerhouses of Netflix, HBO, and Amazon, movies are becoming more and more cinematic and less as seen on TV. Even the activity of going to the movies is usually a social activity where you meet up with friends. So I'm not sure how it'll have to change, but I think it will definitely change because of the situation. Right. And Hearst also said of retailers, they aren't going to come out right away. Over the last three months of having to pay leases and suppliers for inventory they couldn't sell, it's going to be a step-by-step process. And step-by-step it is, Nico. I don't know about you, but I did enjoy being outside at a few establishments this weekend. One specifically was wiping down the armchairs and they had pre-rolled napkins and throwaway menus. Yet another similar casual dining also had less precautions. They had linen napkins and I didn't see anyone wiping down the arms of the chairs. While a iconic deli in Brookline called Zaftig's advertised that they had a QR code that you introduced me to, Nico, that basically you could just find the menu, pay for things, all contactless there. And then what's up with the pens to sign for your credit card statement? All of a sudden, my daughter had to take a pen from a local ice cream parlor and for a lousy $3 ice cream, she jeopardized having to touch a pen that everybody else touched. Yet some people have clean pens and dirty pens that they wipe off and designate specifically. So it looks like there's a lot of discretion despite the guidelines and that can make our communities confused and apprehensive. Lastly is that the employees are wearing masks, but the patrons do not. Clearly it's difficult to eat and drink with a mask on. It just looks like there's much up for debate to that condition too. 
But what about you, Nico? What have your experiences been? Well, to start, I'll touch on the pen you mentioned, and it's ridiculous that even the point of sale systems have not adjusted. I use Apple Pay for almost every transaction, and it would be easy for them to adjust Apple Pay or other contactless payments to not have to touch those pin pads or use the pen that everyone uses. But instead, I'm sure the disease has spread due to these pens and pads, but I digress. Overall, I'm happy for the most part with how businesses are handling the social distancing procedures and cleaning protocols. I haven't gone out to a restaurant yet, so I'm not sure how that experience will be, but I've done takeout and I have to say I really appreciate the bright side of this where companies had to up their mobile order pickup game. It's so much easier. Or even things like going to the dentist are much more efficient. No waiting rooms, just making an appointment which is the same thing we would do anyways, but since they are forced to accommodate only a select amount of patients at a time, there's no time loss in the waiting room. But now, with reopening, it is a matter of what will we go back to, and what will no longer be because of it. Yeah, those are great questions, Nico. From a psychological standpoint, I think we probably need to look at everyone's baseline anxiety, and of course, where it is for each individual right now. It basically boils down to facing our fears. It's also grief and loss to, like you said, what is no longer available and open or closed for good. I know another iconic restaurant, O'Leary's, uh, closed for good and shut their doors. And it just seems so sad after spending many, many uh, Fridays and Saturday nights hanging out with friends at a really small Irish pub that we didn't even get to say goodbye to. But as far as our topic, reopening anxiety, goes, we can take incremental steps in our own communities. Like, for example, I work with some patients that really had difficulty just even walking around their block. So this would be something like exposure therapy, where you would increase your exposure to your fear little by little and then as you did this hopefully your anxiety level comes back down and decreases over time for some the lockdowns have also been met with a form of stability security and guidance i know that that's part and partial to what made me feel better so opening up is going to raise their anxiety Again, for others, reopening was welcome, and it is welcome and a relief after months of sheltering in place. So we also have to rely on others to do the right thing. Social distancing, wearing masks, and taking precautions, especially when feeling ill, and getting tested, along with continuing to self-quarantine when traveling now that our summer months have hit and potential vacations. And of course, because we echo going back to psychology, neurology, and biology, let's take neurology. Familiarity in the brain breeds security. You did that yesterday. I woke up, I'm still alive, so let's just do it again. And so for now, we have a quote, new norm. So what is unfamiliar is what we're doing now by reopening and kicking in that fight or flight response that we often mention. Our norm and familiarity was staying at home, seeing just a few people other than our family, potentially relying on takeout food and delivery services, 
I know some establishments like Trader Joe's and supermarkets had shortened hours and now just extended back to regular business hours. So we need to see this new familiar as the old familiar, but it's different than before. So it's very confusing to our brains. So when something feels uncontrollable and unpredictable, there is a higher level of anxiety and fear. And then the notion of not being able to control the actions and behaviors of others, right? That brings it to another whole level. I'm sure you've probably opened your computer to see what's going on with the world of people being asked to leave stores for not wearing masks and basically just everybody asserting their own independence. But we can also use cognitive behavioral therapy here. Yeah, on the subject of that, one of my friends works at a grocery store in the Boston area and there was someone without a mask that was walking around with their phone camera trying to film the employees of the grocery store turning them down from entering which made things a little complicated and my friend who worked at the grocery store really didn't know what to do but it's just a really difficult situation when not wearing a mask just for the purpose of it but we can use cognitive behavioral therapy here so how will we do that colleen well firstly educate yourself right Let's look at what we do know. Wearing masks and hand washing is effective, along with social distancing. Secondly, staying connected with like-minded friends and family. And don't let anyone tell you that you're wrong or being silly or overprotective. We are still in the unknown zone and wearing masks and hand washing does work. So, and of course, staying present and mindful. As we've often said, the phrase, the past is history and the future is a mystery. So antidoting the stress with positive emotions and feelings can help. And of course, staying off social media and the news can be very powerful as they tend to add to the confusion and fear. And speaking of fear, we need to identify our fears. In meditation and mindfulness, we name our feelings and emotions. At the Benson Henry Institute, where I was trained for SMART, Stress Management and Resiliency Training, at the Mass General Hospital in concert with Harvard Psychiatry, we called it root fear. And so to get at the root fear, you would ask somebody, okay, so if that happened, then what? Oh, okay, so then, but then if that happened, then what? And again, you would keep asking questions until you got to the root fear. And then as a therapist, we could determine what steps to take. So to our listeners, please, if you are feeling anxious, you're not alone. And if you're experiencing anxiety over the lockdown ending, or just to the coronavirus in general, COVID-19, I know that, you know, there are resources that we can go to. And also there are lots of studies to point to the fact that you're not alone. The recent Census Bureau data found that 30% of Americans now show symptoms of general anxiety disorder. And that's according to the Huffington Post that was updated on 6-18-2020. Wow, that's an alarmingly large percentage. Getting out of the stress-based response seems more important now than ever. 
Yes, and the new slow pace of life, you know, people all of a sudden realize they didn't have, okay? So let's look at the stress relief of not commuting. I know a lot of folks are talking about being able to make healthy lunches or breakfast because now there is time for food prep. And for some, again, spending time with your spouse or family members seems like a treat since maybe before we didn't have the time because of our work schedules to, to spend with loved ones. I know for myself, I'm happy to be gardening and teaching this skill to my daughter. I'm catching up on my many online courses, Nico, that I purchased, but I never actually have time to take. Um, and of course, as a mind-body practitioner, I have slowed down, okay? And also, I've taken in the moment-to-moment mindfulness that seemed to slip away on a daily basis. Maybe just taking the time to look at the flowers or have a glass of iced tea and truly just sit in the moment. Yeah, for some, households spending more time with each other than ever before is kind of a new luxury and discovering new hobbies and additions to our identities. It's kind of like the integrative nutrition circle of life activity you mentioned a few episodes back. The work slice of the pie used to take up a significant portion of most people's lives, especially when counting commuting. It still could be stressful because of job security and technical issues over Zoom, but I believe this stay-at-home time period has allowed people to explore other talents and expand their identities. That's great, Nico. It's also estimated that about 30% of offices are now going to go remote, mainly to save money. According to a New York Times article yesterday that I read online that was entitled, what it takes to reopen a small business right now. They say, quote, the percentage of small businesses that were open in early June was nearly 16 points higher than it was in mid-April. This is according to a company, Opportunity Insights, which is an economic tracker developed by researchers at Harvard using anonymized data from credit card processors, payroll firms, and others, end quote. And for those of you going back to work in multiple roles, they state a few things in this article, which is talk to your employees, engage your team in the process, right? So make sure that you're communicating with them and have them have choice. I know for a few people I work with in New York City remotely, um, they're basically asking employees and giving surveys about whether or not they want to come back and what coming back would look like for them. Also cited in the article is to take your time. Basically, let's go through everything and that having calm and focus is really what is going to be successful at the end of the day. And let your staff know, look, they have your support. I know when I was having a social distance TJF at another iconic restaurant, the Golden Temple, has ample seating outside, and yet there was no chairs to be found. When the manager came over, I asked him, when are you going to open? And he said, the owner said, when we are going to open up, we are going to do it right. Actually, they were the busiest during the shelter-in-place of 
COVID-19, now opening up for them seems daunting. The other thing they mentioned was taking advantage of technology, Nico. Like you said, the QR codes, Apple Pay. Basically, in this day and age, you really don't need to touch any surfaces. But, you know, for us, it's hard to catch up if you were not a business that was there already. Also, online reservations. I think I've often said to you that after my daughter has her horseback riding lesson, we go to Trillium Brewery, not to drink of course, but mainly they have food trucks. So I might pick up a six pack to take home, but we can be outside smelling like horses and no one really cares. But again, everything was COVID-19, contactless, online reservations, six feet apart and all outdoors. So we really have to take advantage of technology. And lastly, let's not forget that customers are stressed too, right? So I guess basically what we have to look at is a quote that Anthony Bourdain said, which goes back to maybe a manager or a waiter. He says, quote, I don't have to agree with you to like or respect you. <laughs> keep it classy and keep it kind, end quote. So lastly, Nico, Going back to whether or not companies will go back full time in person, nothing is definitive. And I think it all does boil down to surveys. It's gonna look and feel very different. Will people wanna go back to work? Will they feel safe? And then of course the flip side is some people need to go back to work because of childcare, et cetera. I guess it's that yin and the yang concept. Yeah, I completely agree. It's crazy that companies are just completely closing their offices and working remotely forever as a result of this pandemic. I don't think it would have ever happened prior to this. But the money saved on rent for offices could help their business flourish or benefit their employees. Or even giving their employees a choice, which is so great. Twitter, for example, made a bold move recently and allowed their employees to choose whether they want to work remotely permanently. Wow, I didn't know that. I know for a few uh, folks, what you just said, people are moving to Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont because like you said, for the foreseeable future, they will never go back to an office. I know for folks that used to go to conferences often, which is a huge expense for companies to fly and pay for hotels and reimburse meal expenses, all of a sudden this summer, they realized it was just as effective, if not more effective, having people zoom in. Yeah, I think that that's a really important thing that people are adjusting even in conferences and even concerts. I know Live Nation is doing a summer drive-in concert series, which is kind of an innovative approach. What's that entail? I think people will just drive right into probably the arena lots they might have removed the chairs and it's going to operate kind of similarly to how a drive-in movie theater operates but it's just going to change the way that people interact at concerts but still give them the concert experience oh that is so cool i didn't hear about that you're always on the cutting edge nico i always say that <laughs> <laughs> well let's also mention how the government can extend the phases or the plans and revert back to stay at home at any time. This is something that you brought up to me, Nico, that I actually didn't even think about. It's the uncertainty of that, right? And of course, the classic conditioning of Pavlov and the dog, which of course we like to mention every few episodes. And again, let's remember what this means. So Pavlov rang a bell 
and paired it with food when he was feeding his dog. Well, to cut to the chase, that's classic conditioning. So every time he rang the bell, the dog knew he was going to get fed. So he became conditioned to it. Therefore, he would start to salivate. And the whole point of Pavlov and the dog is that he was able to make the dog salivate to an inanimate object. Then, of course, after ringing the bell and no food, ringing the bell, no food, ringing the bell, no food, the dog eventually kind of like gave up. Like, okay, great. So like, you're not going to ring the bell. You're not going to put the food out. And over time, the dog just stopped salivating and stopped getting up looking for the food. But one day, Pavlov rang the bell and put a few kibbles in the bowl and the dog heard and said, well, it can't hurt to go look. Maybe I'll just look for fun. It happened for the last few months, at least at one point that there was food. So the dog happily trotted over and to his surprise, found the food. And then the next day, Pavlov put the kibble in the bowl and rang the bell and the dog contemplated for a minute, but then said, it can't hurt to look, went and there was food. So the dog thought, great, we're back on the ring the bell food game. I like this. And then maybe five or six days into it, rang the bell, the dog went, no food. And the dog was like, what the heck fire are you doing to me? And Pavlov called that neuroses or neuroticism. I think that that goes back to my level of psychology, right? And the intermittent piece of the unknown. And so when you were talking about that with me, Nico, in terms of that the government, especially I know here in Massachusetts, we could go back to a lockdown very quickly or stay in phase two or go back to phase one. And that's really scary for us. Yeah, thank you for elaborating on the Pavlov analogy. And I think this really highlights why we need to be, as you say in your book, Colleen, amenable to change in the parasympathetic nervous system, eliciting the relaxation response. We need to be able to revert back to this living situation at any moment, especially if a second strain of this comes out in the next year. Hopefully not. Hopefully not, Nico, but you're precisely right, right? And we're also turning to other reopenings. Uh, Being a recent grad, Nico, what's your buzz on colleges and universities reopening? Sure. I'll speak on BU specifically because I went there and my sister still goes there. So that's the one that's at the top of my head. And they released a sort of wacky but understandable plan where students can only attend every third class in person and no guests are allowed in housing. There were a few memes floating around on social media saying, quote, when BU wants me to be alone forever with a picture of the reopening plan. And social distancing has to occur in classrooms and everyone has to wear masks. And I think that makes the college experience way more isolative, which is really unfortunate. No one will be able to meet each other when there's six feet apart in classrooms, almost even more limiting than Zoom communication. Right. And this, Nika, was where I wish we had a call in line. I mean, I agree. It's a matter of human connection and for freshmen making new friendships or seniors graduating. I could only echo what I hear in my practice, which from friends and family members as well, is that how is this reopening feeling, let's say, in larger ways, like, for example, crowds? I know that that generalized anxiety disorder um, you know, number is real. I see it in my practice alone. 
people will find themselves in larger groups or approaching, let's say, air quotes, a crowded area, which of course is not even remotely as crowded as it was before COVID-19, or now in the grocery stores with more people. Some folks are experiencing a sense of fogginess or lightheadedness, a sense of depersonalization. It's almost like a panic attack. And remember, it is all in that fear-based response. We are just not used to it as more and more people are being outside and being around. Yeah, going back to the college and the matter of human connection for freshmen through senior year, I thought it was interesting. I found a quote from BU's president, Robert A. Brown, that says, quote, we are well on our way to creating a campus environment where our students can study and learn with our faculty and staff in as safe an environment as possible, end quote. So I thought it was interesting that they focused more in on studying and learning, which is a huge aspect of the college experience. It's the main goal, but I think the secondary goals of social and developing relationships are kind of lost in the mix. So hopefully there will be some sort of community built on this new type of environment. And to touch on anxiety and fogginess in crowded areas, it's completely understandable. And if any of you listening experience these feelings, I read somewhere and fact-checked myself that if you are feeling anxious in a crowded place, that chewing gum could be a good practice. A randomized controlled trial in the National Library of Medicine found that chewing gum can act to reduce anxiety under conditions of acute social stress. That's great, Nico. Wonderful research and very interesting. As you know, in my practice, I recommend chewing different gums, whether they're from Aveda or Origins. They're flavored with calming scents and flavors. And going back to dealing with the uncertainty of things, we have to learn with being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I know that sounds awful, but there are just so many unknowns. From your workplace reopening to schools and restaurants, Will people still be careful and wear masks and social distance? I know when we went to lunch this weekend, um, we were outside at a little lobster place and you go inside and, you know, they are still social distancing, but with my broken foot, as our listeners know, and your (laughs) unfortunate accident as well that we explained, she was kind enough to go place our order but she was calling and texting me from the restaurant and she was scared because the family entered behind her and they were not social distancing. So it's important for us here to educate our children on using their voices. And, you know, I felt very helpless and asked her if she wanted me to come and she said no. She stayed on the phone with me and got through it, but, you know, When she finally sat down next to me, I said, you know, hon, you have the right to gesture to somebody carefully and politely and say, could you please give me some space? And if you're not comfortable doing that, you have the right to simply just leave. But again, as I say in my book, if we give ourselves a choice, we give ourselves a chance and also agency to ourselves where sometimes we have none. So 
A wonderful resource for our listeners is www.mindful.org. I know I still get my paper magazine, but when you subscribe to the paper magazine, you can also subscribe to mindful.org. But there are many free resources on this website. I found one of them through an email I received this weekend, and it was called Five Helpful Steps to Nurture Children's Emotional Resilience During Difficult Times. And they give, you know, about five things to check in with your children about and yourself about. So speaking of checking in with yourself, it's that I know overused phrase when you're on an airplane where the attendants say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first before your child's. And why is that? Because we need to be able to be in control and be healthy before we can take care of somebody else. The other one in terms of looking at self-care is support yourself, right? Gentle, loving kindness. You know, if you're having any impatience or anxiety, know that it's okay to have this reaction and it's okay to let your children know that you're having this reaction, but you can keep them safe. The other neat thing that they mention in the article is to help your children name basically their feelings or their thoughts. I know in ACT therapy, which is action commitment therapy, we teach patients to separate the thought from the feeling. So for example, if you're feeling anxious, instead of saying, I'm anxious, you say, I'm having the thought that I feel anxious. It seems completely silly at first, but believe it or not, you're actually separating the reaction formation that we often talk about, Nico, which fires in a nanosecond, which is one billionth of a second. So it creates a small gap in that neural pathway. So instead of saying, I feel anxious, I feel depressed, I feel this, you say, I'm having the thought or I'm thinking that I feel anxious. You actually do change wiring that neural pattern. When you just say it over and over again, you just make it stronger. So you can do the same thing with feeling sad, angry, or confused. The other thing is for parents to be able to say to their children, I know this is hard and I am here for you, or I know you're upset, or I know you're bored and disappointment. This echoed through my house all weekend with you know the frustration of these heavy rains that came through. It's very difficult for kids to not be able to be out and play and socializing with their friends. And of course, we look at our thoughts and the distortions that result from our feelings. And I know we always also mention, Nico, my concept of ABCDE, which was developed by Albert Ellis. A is the activating event, B is the behavior, C is the consequence. All we need to remember, listeners, is D. So dispute your belief, dispute your belief, dispute your belief, and eventually E, you will have a new emotional consequence. To wrap up the mindful.org article, they say this, quote, resist the urge to fix, advise, or basically do a runaround of the problem. For children specifically, we wanna be able to support their capacity to heal themselves and sit with bad feelings. And as we say all the time, Nico, it's not good, it's not bad, right? If the brain sees it as good, it wants more and it remembers it. If it's 
bad, their brain says, yikes, that was scary. I better remember that too, so I don't repeat it or do it again. When we make something neutralize, we desensitize ourselves to that thought or feeling. And then the brain says, well, that's a sort of neutral, so I don't need to remember it. And eventually the brain stops attending to it. Lastly, the article states to help your children find calm. They have strategies on this website to help children calm their nervous system. There's an article that's also called, quote, a few kid-friendly breathing techniques you can demonstrate and do with them, end quote. And again, that's from www.mindful.org, quote, helping children embrace big emotions, end quote. They also have great resources and a family toolkit and of course you can always sign up for more premium content and get their three-day email series and even a year-long subscription to mindful magazine it's really been an invaluable resource for myself and my family not to mention my practice that's a great resource colleen and even if you don't have children I think that these tools are pretty applicable to everyone, whether it's your friends or even yourself. But going back to the reopening, the stress of crowds and seeing people ignore the social distancing can be alarming. I saw a TikTok of a common day in a New York City subway before this pandemic, and it was now overlaid with sad instrumental music and text that said, I don't know about you, but seeing these crowds makes me extremely stressed now. Will we ever go back to this? And at first I read it as almost a little dramatic, but when I was witnessing that many people, even on my phone screen, it did stress me out. Yes, and we need to build the tolerance slowly. The conditioning that we mentioned earlier, and each day may feel different. Again, while using the ABCDE is so helpful. And there's other supports for our listeners out there, like individual counseling. You could go to Psychology Today or call your insurance carrier. There are free apps and, of course, Talkspace. We also need to try to keep the focus on yourself and not what others are doing. Again, that's sort of scary because sometimes we can't control that and it feels unsafe but we can protect ourselves. And again, looking at the psychology, biology, and neurology of the body and brain of that systematic desensitization. And self-care, having kind, meaningful conversations with your friends, family, and loved ones, and even your workplace about how you are feeling and respect it. Don't judge it, just gentle loving kindness. We referenced Mindful Magazine, but there's also another wonderful resource, which is called Sounds True. And Calm is an app that I recommend to everyone in my practice. It actually can ask you to check in a certain time of day. So for me, it's three o'clock and it asks you questions about how you're feeling. Then it prompts you to actually tag different words, and then we'll recommend maybe a short podcast, a mini meditation, or mindfulness uh, mindfulness techniques. There's also wonderful bedtime stories as well. So for all of our listeners out there, whether you're feeling excited about the reopening or anxious about the reopening, it's an individualized concept. And as long as we can have gentle, loving kindness and respect for ourselves and our feelings and that of others, we will get through this as best as possible. 
Yeah, we will get through this, and those were great resources, Colleen. And adding to that list, Headspace is doing a great thing for those who are unemployed. They're making their app free, which is a great resource as well. So reopening can be a little stressful, but we do have the resources and techniques to equip ourselves to deal with it and to be amenable to change. So hopefully you guys found these resourceful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Restore Body Balance podcast. If you want to hear more from us, you can click the subscribe button and you can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have any questions, would like to sign up for programs or to read the book on change, visit us on the web at www.restorebodybalance.com.